0: Good morning, everybody.
1: See, honey, did I leave my glasses down there? Did I leave my glasses down there?
0: Hang on a second. I need my eyeballs. There we go. Psalm 134 says, Praise the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. We're going to do that this morning. Why don't you stand with me? Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather in this house of worship. Lord, we give you praise and honor, Lord, that you have saved us, Lord, from the enemy's hand. Lord God, that you have delivered us from every act of wickedness, Lord God, from the bondage of the evil one. Lord, we thank you that you have redeemed us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you have brought us together, your own special people, Lord, who are called to declare your glorious light. Father, this day we give you praise, we give you honor. Lord, receive our praise, Lord, as we give it to you from a heart of gratitude. And everyone said, amen and amen. Won't you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. You put your hands together if you want. We're going to sing this. I am a friend of God.
1: Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. Let's sing that again. Who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? is it true that you are thinking of me how you love me it's amazing and i am a friend of god i am a friend of god i am a friend of god he calls me friend sing it again to the lord i'm a friend of god I AM A FRIEND OF GOD I AM A FRIEND OF GOD I AM A FRIEND OF GOD HE CALLS ME FRIEND AND WHO AM I THAT YOU ARE MINDFUL OF ME THAT YOU HEAR ME WHEN I CALL Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? Come on, sing it, it's amazing. It's amazing, it's amazing, oh, it's amazing. I'm a friend, come on, sing. I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Sing it again to the Lord. I am a friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. God Almighty, Lord of glory. Called me friend, Hallelujah. God Almighty, Lord of glory, You have called me friend. Sing that again to the Lord, God Almighty. God Almighty, Lord of glory have called me friend hallelujah i am a friend of god yes lord i am a friend of god i am a friend of god he calls me friend lift your voices to the lord i am a friend of god i am a friend of god I am a friend of God He calls me friend I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me friend I am a friend of God Yeah Lord I am a friend of God I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand of praise this morning.
2: Good morning, church. How are we doing? Good. All right. Beautiful sunny day. Thank you, God. Uh, first order of business, we got uh, the uh, refresh. They got a potluck dinner coming up on the 21st at 6 p.m. And the best part is the theme is Mexican food. Come on. Me- I, I don't know about you guys. I could eat Mexican food every day. Every, that's one of those. It feels like home when I'm eating Mexican food. That doesn't make sense unless you know it. Like, my mom's from Jalisco. So, Mexican food was just food for us, you know? <laughs> so, she, she, oh, wonderful cook. You know, and you guys ever think about that when you're growing up? Like, my mom, there was four of us, four kids, you know, six total with mom and dad. She was constantly cooking. And now, I have four kids, and I go, man, this is hard. To to actually, we always had a home-cooked meal, and I go, I don't think she ever stepped out of the kitchen. I mean, it was like constantly, but I, I do get this. Every once in a while, well, not every once while, every meal, there would be like, we'd get a burrito, or we'd get, you know, enchilada, or whatever it was, there'd be a bite taken out, and you know, we'd be like, why is there a bite? Mom's, and I go, because she has to keep cooking. That's how she ate. She's like, oh, I'll try a bite of this. I'll try a bite of this, and... That woman worked so hard. I mean, now I see it. You don't usually see it when you're kids and you're growing up. You just, you get used to, hey, there's always a meal. There's always this. Oh, my God. It's hard, you know. So, and, and who can afford to go out to eat anymore? So it's like home cooking is the way to go. But I don't, I don't know why I'm even talking about that. But it just, it made me, it made me think about that. Just how, how hard parents work and you don't realize it you know, until you get older, and you become a parent. So, uh, anywho, uh, we got Wednesday nights. Don't forget, Wednesday nights are back up and running, and the, the book we're into now is Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Now, that's Wednesday nights, 6 to 7.30. We just started. It's not too late to join, so I encourage you guys, get plugged in. Get, take ownership as part of this church. Get plugged in, not just on a Sunday. Let's get, the more word of God we get on a consistent basis, our path and how we grow is just going to thrive. Heading towards God, you can't go wrong there. Also, don't forget, Sunday mornings with Jerry, we have the awe of God. Let's play this video.
3: was a lack of fearing God affecting you. If we're afraid of God, we'll pull away, but if we fear God, we'll draw near. You say, John, that sounds counterintuitive. The reason it sounds counterintuitive is because the fear of God has nothing to do with being afraid of God. The fear of God is when we're actually terrified of being away from God. If you look at the men and women in Scripture and in the history of the church, the ones who walk closely with Jesus are those who feared Him. I have spent the last year writing the most critical revelations that God has ever given me because I want to see you endure to the end and fulfill all that God has called you to do. When we understand the awe of God, everything changes.
2: All right, the awe of God. Now, that was supposed to start this morning. There was a delay on some study books. So if you missed it this morning, it's going to start next Sunday. Okay, so there's still a chance. You can get in right when it starts. I encourage you, let us know if you want to be a part of that. And that's it for announcements. So now's the point where we can all stand, meet and greet, love on each other. Five minutes.
0: We're going to prepare to receive this morning tithes and offer. I want to read to you from the scripture. Proverbs eleven twenty four from the NIV says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So the Berkeley translation says it this way: It's kind of a little bit different. Here's what it says: There is one who gives liberally, yet he gr- he gives liberally, yet he grows richer. And one who withholds what he should give and he suffers want. The charitable soul will be enriched, and he who waters will himself be watered. So that's an interesting passage of Scripture. Actually, throughout the Word of God, we are um, encouraged to be generous, to be givers. Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give and, than to receive. Now, the reason why some people don't understand that, well, number one, let me say, how many of you, when you've ever gave and, given something to somebody, you feel good, right? So that makes sense. So it is more blessed to give than receive, and especially if you're wired, I think some of us, you know, they talk about like love languages, right? Some people it's this, some people it's that. Some people, I mean, I just like to give gifts to people. Um, I, I get a little uncomfortable with the whole the the thank you, thank you, thank you part. But that's and what's strange about it is this, even though I love to give to people and give to the work of God, I am sometimes uncomfortable when people give back to me. Anybody else like that? Now the principle behind this, and the reason why some people have a hard time grasping this is because they think of, uh, think of a pie, right? So they think if, if I give this tenth of a pie, which, think about that. You, you got a huge pie from, I don't know, where's a pie place around here that's real good? Mom? Where do you get those pies? She actually gets her, this is strange. She actually gets her pies at um, Ace Hardware. Yeah, they're good. Don't get me wrong. They're good, but Ace Hardware is really not known as a pie store. <laughs> but once you dig out all the nuts and bolts, it's great. It's a, it's a great pie. No, but they're actually fantastic pies. But where we grew up, you know, in Pismo Beach and in the Monterey area um, later, th- they would have like Marie Calendars. Now, everybody knows what that is, right? Okay, so think of a big pie. Those are good-sized pies. Yeah, they're good pies. So you, you take a tenth—you cut it into tenths, and you take one little one, and you, and you give it, okay, to God. And you're like, wow, now I only got nine tenths. I mean, if you're a real pie freak, I mean, you really you, you're planning on eating that whole pie, which is difficult. And then you cut off another piece, because I'm going to send this piece to the electric company. Then I cut off another piece, I'm going to send this to my mortgage. And all you're looking at is that pieces of this pie are missing. Now, that's how the world thinks. What you have to wrap your mind around is with God, there is no pie. You don't run out. I hope some light bulbs are coming on because I kind of feel like that's like people are like, hmm. But there is no pie with God. God says he owns all the silver all the gold, and now it may be in some of the wrong hands, but God has a way of even taking the wealth of the wicked and bringing it to the just. The reason I share this with you is this. I'm, I'm not sharing this because I'm taking up the offering this morning. It's, it's something that needs to be taught because we, as we're heading into these weird financial times, I mean, realize it's, it's a little bit sketchy. You know, you can look at your 401k, you know, like you have an air raft and you didn't realize there was a hole in it and the things, you're, you're sitting on it, you're starting to kind of slide into the water. But that's when you're dealing with the world system, because the world system basically is this, this This is the idea, maybe some of you heard it, I don't know where Occult is right there, he, he keeps up with some these things as I do. But the world economic forum and and agenda 2030 their big thing is this you're going to own absolutely nothing and be happy that's what they want for you is anybody that's the first time you've ever heard that statement give me a wave okay so all of you've heard this right that's the goal that they want now it's important to realize that because it doesn't do any good to like You know, put your fingers in you and say, no, 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 this is not happening, this is not happening. No, that's what they're wanting to do. So how do we, if, if, if the World Economic Forum and the New World Order, whatever term you want to put on it, if that's the goal that they're wanting, that they're pushing towards for 2030, how do we get out of that system and into God's kingdom financial network? I guess that's the way I could say it. Right? Because God's kingdom financial network is not based on the world at all. Perfect example is this. Jesus and Peter were going to go up to the temple, and there was a temple tax that had to be paid, and you, you know the story. He says, uh, who, should, who should pay the temple tax? It probably went to Rome, now that I'm thinking about it. But he said, who should pay it? The sons or, or the foreigners? He goes, the foreigners. He says, okay, but so that no one will be offended, Jesus didn't say, let's take up an offering. This is how God can work. He says, go down to the the lake, drop a hook in, and the first fish you pull up, there's going to be a gold coin in its mouth. That's outside of the world system. Is anybody with me this morning? God has ways outside of the world system, but you have to get involved in the kingdom. I like that term, kingdom financial network. I'm going to probably copyright that. The kingdom financial network. Because if you have the idea of the pie, and that if you give this 10% to the work of God, that you have only nine-tenths of the pie left, you're not understanding the kingdom financial network. Which is, the Lord says this, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt, God does not need your money. The reason that he puts us in there is for you to get into the kingdom financial network and outside of the world system. If you stay in the world system by 2030, you will own nothing. They say you'll be happy. I doubt it. If you say amen ever so often, it'll help me preach faster. Still no amens? Amen. Yeah, because um, I could stay on this till noon and then, and then preach. Because I, I, I'm telling you what, I could tell you testimony after testimony. One just happened to us this week. With God, the tithe, he says this. He says, test me now in this. That's the only time in Scripture God says to test him. Only one. Only one time. He says, test me in this. And see if I don't open up for you the windows of heaven. He didn't say, see if I make the stock market go up. He didn't say, uh, see if you're going to get more on your food stamps. He didn't say that. He said, trust me in this. This is the way into the kingdom financial network, it's just the bottom floor. If you want to know the truth, we're not even into in the talking about the giving and the sowing and the reaping. But God starts us off small. Now, you may think that's not small, but that's small. Ten percent is small. And it's across the board. Somebody's ten percent is going to be less than somebody else's ten percent. That's why God just put it across there like that. But what he says is this. Get into my kingdom financial plan. And he says, as you give your ten percent, test me. And test me means this. If this is the first time that you're uh, ever hearing about this or getting involved with this, God's going to prove himself to you big time right at the, at the get-go. But here's the deal. He says, give me that first tenth. Not pay everything off and see if I've, at the end, I'm going to do a little equation, see after I've gone to the movies, after I've done this, after I bought my cigarettes and, every, you know, whatever people do, if I've got 10% left. He says, the first fruits from the top. Give me that and see if I don't open you, open up for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, you're not able to receive it. Now you've got to keep your eyes open to what's happening. Well, I could tell you a multiple multiple stories on this. But we not only tithe, we we've got into the area of of sowing and reaping. Okay? The tithe, I'm blessed. Amen. But when I want to go to another level, I start giving to the Lord. Like, if you want, for instance, the growing season is kind of coming to, a, to an end. You know, the tomato plants are drying up and all these things. But I get ready for the for the next season. Now, I can wish all day long that I have fresh vine tomatoes next season. But if I don't plant a seed... Guess how many vine-ripened tomatoes I'm going to have? Zero. Big goose egg. That's it. Why? Because I didn't plant the seed. You can, I can pray all day long. Oh, Lord, out of this little pile of dirt, please, bring some tomatoes. But the Lord says every seed produces after its kind. So when we plant into the kingdom, the Bible says this. It says there is—I need my glasses for this, so I just read it to you. One man gives freely and yet gains even more. Now that's, that's the word of God. That's God speaking to you. One man gives freely and gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So let me break this down for you. God is a giver. He wants his people, his children, to be like him. Agreed? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So he wants us to be like him. So if God is generous, then he wants me to to be generous and to be a giver. Now, God is a giver. Because I'm God's child, I need to be a giver. Satan is a stealer. Okay? But third, man, natural man, is a hoarder. Natural man who's not born again, is a hoarder. All he thinks about is holding on to, to, to what he's got. Natural man's a hoarder, Satan's a stealer, God is a giver. But as I give, and, oh wow, I could tell, I don't have time for this, I could I really get into this because God has, I, I, I tapped into this, and just this last week, tremendous blessing, I guess I got time to share this with you. We needed a mattress. Our our mattress was about ready to give it the ghost. We we've had it you know for about a decade, and me I can sleep on the floor and be okay. My wife she's she's a princess, so she needs the but also she's had some injuries and things, and and she needs a little bit more. So. I thought we'd strip the bed down to—she was going to wash the sheets and everything. I said, you know what, let's go up here to this uh, mattress place. And just uh, just window shop, see what we're looking at, you know, to get a new mattress. And um, so keep in mind, we, we've been sewing. I mean, I don't keep like a record—I just sew, okay? Like, like last night was a meeting, there were some missionaries from Africa. We sewed into that, okay? That's beyond my, my tithe. We um, gave a missionary offering I think the week before and, and I, I, we gave... I just, I'm just off the top of my head, I think this, this last month we also gave $200 to um, a, a, a preacher who's going... To, he's preaching all over Africa right now. I don't really write it in a book and keep track of it. It's just when the Lord speaks to my heart, I do it, okay? And I realize it's going to come back to me. So we go up to this mattress store and um, we see this one we really like, and uh, oh, it was going to be, what was it going to be, about 700, 800 bucks? Eight? or se- Which one? Seven. It was going to be 700 bucks. And they said, well, we've got a, um, a layaway plan or something if you, you know, you give this and then whatever amount, and then in 90 days if it's paid off, you know, you get it, but you, you can mark sold on it, so it's, it's there, it's yours. And I said, sure, let's do that. So we just put $100 on this mattress and um lo and behold i mean by the by the end of the day by the end of the day the lord had put it on somebody's heart to pay that whole amount on that mattress so i walked in there got it paid cash down boom there's the mattress that's when we got came back to me on that now what's interesting not only that happened my wife got online said well let's let's see how much that mattress was because it was on some kind of a labor day sale and she said like any good salesman, even though it's the day after Labor Day, said if you if you buy it today, we're going to give you that deal. So we got in on that. But she started looking at and that mattress that we paid, I mean God paid, eight hundred dollars for. How much was it? Between two hundred and four thousand. Between two, how can it be between two thousand and four thousand? That's a pretty big brick. So we'll cut the difference and say three thousand dollars. It was a three thousand dollar mattress that I got for a grand total of 800, that God gave it to us. So, and that's just one testimony. I could could sit up here and tell you this last year about miracle after miracle after miracle. I could tell you about this. I'll tell you one more. So I'm telling you this, I'm telling this to encourage your faith. Okay, now if you want to get out of the situation you're in and also store up for what's coming down the line, because we don't know what's coming down the line. But he who's generous, also it, says, it goes further to say this. I'm going to tell that story, but listen to this. He said, a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. In other words, what God is saying there, what you do for others, God will do you, for you. Most of the time, uh, okay, well, let me tell you this story. So, I'd always heard people talk about, you know, that sometime God may ask you to give like an alabaster box type of an offering. All right. So our alabaster box was this little book safe that we've got. We keep, you know, our our cash in that for whatever. And it happened to be about a thousand dollars at that time. And I'd always wanted to give a thousand dollars in one shot in an offering. Always wanted to do that. You know, if you haven't, I mean, I don't know. I've always wanted to do that. Um, and the Lord spoke on our heart, to our heart to do that. And when we were down in San Bernardino, uh, I was very excited. We, we, we put $1,000 into this ministry that's doing some wonderful things. Now, when you give, you want to give with the expectancy of like what that says there. As you water others, God's going to water you back. Okay. As you give, God's going to give back unto you. This is the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. He says, give, um, he, he says, give, and it will be given back to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. I always think about a cereal box. You, you ever buy a cereal, and the box like this big, and you open it up, and you pop the thing, and it's half full of air? Right? It can be almost anything. I can go get a, a can of protein powder, and by the time you open it up, it's only half full. But I'm like, why do you put that in this big old barrel? Right? So what God's saying Let's go with the protein powder illustration because cereal is going to get really smashed if I do this the cereal way. So God's saying that with him, as if, if I give, he says, it's like you take that lid off and it's so packed. It's like he poured it to the rim and then he pressed it down and poured more in until it's actually running out. That's, that's Jesus speaking. So we gave this thousand dollars. And the Lord had put it on, some of you uh, know the Lord spoken t- to us ab- about some different things uh, uh, as far as ministry uh, ahead of us. And we had stopped actually in Clovis, it was like Mother's Day, wasn't it? Didn't, wasn't it Mother's Day? So we stopped to see my mother-in-law, and we, we stayed in a hotel there. And uh, I kid you not, so we, we, we get our stuff in there, and my wife... Walks over, and there's an envelope filled on the floor filled with how much? It was the next morning? Okay, so we didn't see it right when we first came in. Well, how much was it? How much? $500 was in that envelope, cash. So then I'm thinking, okay, well, who, if somebody lost this, who do I even begin to ask? You can't take it to the front, the way people are, you can't take it to the front desk say, hey, somebody lost this. And the desk clerk says, oh, fine, I'll, I'll get it back to who it needs to go back to. That's how that works, right? So cash, I'm like, well, you know, what do we do with this? And the next day when we check out, the lady says, okay, before I give, can give you your, your deposit back, let me go up there and check the room, make sure it's all clean. So then I'm like, well, wait a minute. So they do this every time. So the people that checked out before me, they would have went up there and checked the room. So I don't know if an angel brought that in or what happened. But these are the kind of things that, that, that have happened to us. That's just two out of, I could go on and on and on. What I'm trying to tell you is that God's word works. I'm not telling you, n- nothing, I'm getting nothing out of this offering today, by the way. Nothing. So what I'm trying, but I am trying to take, give an, take an opportunity to get you into the kingdom financial network, because that way you're not dependent on what the stock market does. You know, they, they did a, um, a survey during the Great Depression in New York City, all the people that were in the bread line, and they were walking along, they were asking everybody, when you had money, were you faithful to God in the tithe? Not a one said yes, which says something. There were no tithers in the bread line. And the Lord said, David said this, I've been young, now I'm old, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, rather, and I've never seen their children begging for bread. So, I want you to get this in your mind going forward to the end of this year and into next year. You've got to get into this kingdom mindset. It does no good to be like the natural man and to hoard. does no good. Give unto God that which is a significant offering for what He's done in your life. If you can sit here today and say God's done absolutely nothing for you, don't give nothing. God's cool with that. But I bet if I sat and talked to you for a while, I could figure out where God has blessed you here, there, many places. So, how many really glad you heard that this morning? Listen, you want to get in on this? I'm, I'm telling you the truth. There's there's some strange times coming up. And uh, I'm not going to be begging for bread. My children are not going to be begging for bread. Not because I'm special, but I've applied kingdom principles. Amen. So, brethren, if you come, we're going to pray over the offering. Prepare your offerings, uh, your tithes and offering this morning. We're, we're going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've never left us or forsaken us. And Lord, you've given us the plan to walk through difficult financial times. And, Lord, we honor you. We thank, you. I thank you that you've given me this plan because I don't want to look to man. I thank you, Lord, that you hear me. I thank you that your word is true and that it's impossible for you to lie. And we give unto you to this day, Lord, out of a grateful heart, in Jesus' precious name, everyone said, amen and amen. Brethren, if you come.
1: We worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened prison doors, He parted raging seas, my God, He holds the victory. Would you stand with me this morning? There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the Lord my God is surely in this place and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise hallelujah Lord we sing to the God who heals we sing to the god who saves we sing to the god who always makes a way because he hung upon that cross and he rose up from the grave my god still rolling stones away come on sing there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord my god it's surely in this place and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise we were the beggars now we're royalty we were the prisoners now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace Let the house of the Lord sing praise We were the beggar, now we're royalty We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. My God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Now we're royalty, we were the prisoners, hallelujah. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, Hey, now we're royalty, we were the prisoners. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace Let the house of the Lord sing praise Hallelujah Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Joy in the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. My God is surely in this. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Hallelujah, Lord. do we shout out your
0: praise. Hallelujah, give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Lord, we worship you.
1: Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Let's raise a hallelujah this morning. Praise you, Lord. I raise a shout. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. And louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. And up from the ashes, hope will arise. Cause death is defeated. The king is alive. And I raise a hallelujah With everything inside me I raise a hallelujah Yes, Lord And I will watch the darkness flee when I raise a hallelujah Listen now, and fear is lost, it's hold on me and I'm gonna sing in the middle of a storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roaring up from the ashes. Hope will arise, cause death is defeated. Is alive. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the presence of... Come on, you sing. Oh, louder than the unbelief. My weapon is a melody. Oh, heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. Louder than the unbelievers. My melody, Cause heaven comes to fight for me And I'm gonna sing I'm gonna sing the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar And up from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated The scene is alive Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my prayer. É God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, yeah, Lord, with all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore You. Holy, 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 the Lord God. Almighty. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glorify your name. Hallelujah, Lord. You are a mighty king. you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We glorify your name. Come on, slip up your hands and just worship. Oh, Thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Ghost. Mm, Jesus, we worship you. Blessed Lord, blessed Lord. Blessed Lord Jesus, we give you praise. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you're going to do, Lord. What a privilege it is to be in your family, Lord.
0: Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Cleanses us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Thank you for a new start. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you, Lord, that you're coming back soon.
1: We praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Sing this with me if you know it. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is all I long to do and i give you praise for you are the mighty god and i worship you almighty god there is you for your presence in this place you're a good God King of all kings Lord of all lords blessed Lord Jesus Hallelujah you may be seated praise the Lord
0: That's what it's really all about, isn't it? When we come together, if the Lord don't show up, no life. River of God is there is life. Aren't you glad he didn't leave us alone? He sent the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Jesus said, it's actually to your benefit that I return to the Father. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come. Jesus, in his humanity, could only be one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be here, can be in Africa, Mexico, everywhere. Even up at the North Pole, where Santa lives. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6.
1: Thank you, Lord. We're going to read
0: verse twelve. Verse ten, sorry. Let's read verse ten through twelve. How's that? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Schemes are plots. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If that's the case, it doesn't do a whole lot of good to go through uh, fighting fighting things on a physical level. A lot of people think in light of the current political situation, the protests of the answer, and this, that, and the other, and... I want to tell you, as an American, that is your right to peacefully assemble. But that's not what's going to get the job done, because it's not really Washington, D.C. That it's our, that's our problem. Our problem is, we're fighting against a host of fallen angels. The Bible says that a third of the angels fell when Lucifer fell, betrayed God. And I say this all the time. Every time I think about it, I'm like, what kind of an idiot tries to... Who thinks like I'm going to overthrow the creator of the universe? I just, I don't get that. You know, sin will make you stupid. How many know that? (laughs) Sin will make you stupid. How many, give me a wave if you've understood that in your life. Just me? Or we got a bunch of amputees? What's going on here this morning? Just me? Because I know the Bible says all have sinned. I believe God's word. (laughs) and fall short of the glory of God. But sin will make you stupid. I did some stupid stuff. Sin never makes you smarter. Sin never elevates you. It always degrades you, degrades you, throws you in the... The the prodigal son's a perfect example. He had everything he needed in the father's house. And he thought, you know... What's that song Elvis sang about them bright city lights? He's like... Viva Las Vegas, I'm, I'm, you know, he's thinking, hey, so dad, give give me my portion of the inheritance now, I'm going to go on down to the big city. Didn't take long, you know, he was high spending, he thought he had all these friends, then he ran out of money, and he had no friends, the reality hit him, and then he's sitting in a pig pen, which for an Orthodox Jewish person, that's that's as low as you can get. If you don't understand that, pigs are like totally unclean. And not only is he sitting there, he's he's so hungry he's ready to eat the pig slop. Then he comes to his senses and realizes, you know, things were pretty good in my father's house. So sin makes you stupid. However, we are dealing with an enemy who is filled with such hatred towards God. And because man is the apple of God's eye, you know, the Lord didn't send anybody to redeem those fallen angels. He sent his son to redeem the sons of Adam. We are the apple, humanity is the apple of God's eye, and because that first attempt to try first and only, he said, "I'm going to overthrow God." I don't think he got past God's secretary before somebody <laughs> chucked him out. Jesus said, "I saw him. I beheld him fall like lightning." You ever seen lightning hit the ground? It's not like slow mo. It's like oh, crash. Right? You ever ever seen lightning? Jesus said, Satan's thinking he's going to overthrow my father. And he was thrown out of heaven like lightning hit the ground. Boom. And ever since then, because he can't get back at God, he's trying to do everything he can to break the heart of God by defiling mankind and uh, bringing mankind into a place of just total degradation, total darkness. When you see some of the things that are happening, um, Really in America, you know, it's funny, when, when I was a kid, missionaries would come and they would show pictures of the natives and everything of where they were at, and they had those big hoops in their ears and bones in their noses and stuff, and we realized, now that's, that's America. You walk down the street and you, and you see that. We were, were in the Walmart the other day. So, you know, this is not against tattoos or nothing, so don't take this the wrong way, but this lady was so covered in tattoos, and I think she was using her, what do you call those, snap cards or whatever, to, to get some food, you know, buying a some b- bunch of junk stuff. And I was looking at all them tattoos, and I'm trying to add it up in my mind, all the money that those tattoos cost, because they're not cheap, right? And I was like, you know, mama, I'm like, you know, if you had saved your money, instead of burning it all on those tattoos, you'd probably be driving a Mercedes. But but what happens, the enemy comes in, the Bible says, if our gospel be vi- uh, hid, it's hidden to those whom the God of this age, Satan, hath blinded their minds. Just think about how difficult would it be to have blinded eyes and try to navigate through life. A blinded mind, they're blinded to the truth. What is the truth? That God is good. God is actually for them. You know, the price has already been paid for every single person if they will just come to come to God through Christ. It's already paid. The Lord's not asking you to do all kind of crazy machinations or get cleaned up before you come. Just come. The price is paid. But somehow they don't, I don't know, they don't get that and and maybe they've not heard the gospel. But we're fighting against the, humanity is fighting against an enemy that it does not see but yet is bent on its destruction. And the Bible tells us that we need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That, that would be a great message in, in itself, to talk about how we do that. How do we be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? We're going to look at actually that next verse and deal with this, though. It says, to put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's schemes. The devil's been doing the same thing for 6,000 years, the human race. As I'm, as I'm kind of talking here for a minute, go in your Bibles to First uh, Samuel in the Old Testament and um, you're going to see pretty clearly here today that what the devil's doing now is nothing new he's been doing it for 6,000 years because it works and because people don't really study history or look at the Bible in such a way like you look at, uh, oh man, you can look at so many Bible characters. You look at Samson, you look at David. And um, one of the things I understand about David, that, that, that little, that problem, problem, that sin that he had with Bathsheba, what's interesting is, is David kind of went on, on what we call road status in the military. Anybody remember that term it was in the military? Road means retired on active duty. He's still the king, but he's not doing kingly things. The Bible says that at the time that kings go off to war, he kind of just sitting home netflicking it out or something. right? He should have been doing something, and that's the tendency of the human heart. We accomplish a few things, and we just kind of sit and, and coast, right? But the problem is, we are facing an enemy who does not coast. He is actually very motivated to steal, to kill and to destroy. Now we're going to look here and we're going to see this very clear in first samuel chapter 10. Let's read these first few verses, three verses and then I'm going to unpack this here for you. Show you what we're looking at. First off, say this with me. There is no insignificant passage of scripture. One more time, there is no in insignificant passage of Scripture, if it's in here, it's in there for a reason. There are things behind the names. There, are, I'm going to show this to you here. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 11. That's on the screen there, verses 1 through 3. Nahash the Ammonite went up and. Bes- I'm reading from the New International Version, by the way, this morning. Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to him, Make a treaty with us, and we will be subject to you. Or, it could be said, we will be your slaves. So, listen to this. Make a peace treaty with First off, this guy's coming up to attack them. That's what's going on. And they came out and they said... Hey, can we make a peace treaty with you, our enemy, and then we'll be your slaves? But Nahash the Ammonite replied, I will make a peace treaty with you on only one condition, that I gouge out the right eye of every one of you and so bring disgrace on all of Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days, So we can send messengers throughout Israel. And if no one comes to rescue us, we will surrender to you. Isn't that bizarre? Think about that. First off, when the Lord told Israel to go into the land, He said, don't make any treaties with the inhabitants of the land. Right? Now, they went in unto Joshua and totally cleaned house. I mean, there were giants in the land and uh, didn't phase that generation at all. It, it, it freaked the generation previous to them out. They said, we can't go in. There's giants in the land. And you know the story from, from Numbers uh, chapter 13. And the Lord said, finally said, because they kept doing that. They kept accusing God. They were saying, you know, it would be better for us to die in Egypt, you know, and this, that, and the other. And God finally had enough and said, you know what? I'm done with this. You wander in the wilderness for." For, till this whole generation passes away, and I'll take the next ones in. And they went in, and totally cleaned house. And the Lord said, when you're in there, don't make any covenant with the enemy at all. And yet, here we find them uh, at a time of, you know, it, it wasn't a, a bad time. Samuel was, was, was the judge and the prophet. And uh, they had come through, pre- previous to Samuel was a guy named Eli. And Eli, when he became an old man, was, was just lukewarm and backslit. And his sons, even though this is in the Bible, I'm not even comfortable saying this in the church. But this is in the Bible. His sons were committing fornication, priests were committing fornication with the women that would come to the tabernacle, having sex with, with the young ladies that were coming to church. And Eli, the old man who was in charge, the the, the senior pastor, if you will, wouldn't rebuke him. He should, have, he should have taken away their license and booted them out of the church. That's what Paul said to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 5 or chapter 6, one of them, where there was a man in the congregation. Now, this is a spirit-filled congregation, by the way. There was not one spiritual gift lacking. But, but you had a guy in there that was... Again, it's in the Bible. I'm not comfortable saying it in church, but, but you know the story. It's, you know, it was some foul sin that this, this was going on. And Paul said, kick that guy out. He said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And often, the Bible also says this, that people are like priests. The, the preacher sets the bar, so to speak. If he's tore up, the people are going to be tore up. It's just the way it goes. If you got a preacher in sin, there's probably other stuff going on in that church. Because he doesn't preach on sin. Because if he preaches on sin, he convicts himself. So Eli was in that position, and the Lord had said, you know what? There's not going to be anybody from your family line that's ever going to minister before the Ark of God. And then you have the story where they went out against the Philistines, and they were making a great shout. And they said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant. You all remember any of this? The Ark of the Covenant, and it was captured by the Philistines. You know what? Let me say this. By the way, get on a Bible reading plan. There, you can find one on the internet that you read through the Bible in a year. Uh, but these are things, especially if you've been in church for a while. None of these things that I'm saying should be like, "Well, I never heard that before." Yeah, they the Philistines captured the Ark for a while, and um, long story short, the Ark comes back, and Samuel is the is, is now the the priest and the prophet. And the people were crying out, give us a king. And so the Lord gave them King Saul. So things aren't like that bad right now. They're kind of comfortable. And out of nowhere, Nahash the Ammonite comes down uh, and encamps around him and besieges him. Now the reason I'm sharing this story, I told you there's no insignificant portion of scripture. Nahash actually in Hebrew means serpent. How would you like a name like that? That name really never took off, kind of like Judas and Jezebel. Nobody names their kids that. <laughs> right? Nahash means serpent. There's nothing insignificant in here. What we're seeing here, the reason the Lord's even telling this story, there's a lot of things that happened in, in the history of Israel that probably we're not listening to here. God selected these stories. So Nahash, the serpent, is coming down again. Through this story here, if you take notes, and I recommend people take notes. I'm a note-taker, you know, um, write some of the points down and stuff. We're going to look at a few things. We're going to look at a territory, a tactic, and a treaty. But Nahash means serpent. So you're going to, you, by the time you leave here today, you're going to understand some things that maybe you didn't know before. The devil still does the same stuff. Okay, so a territory. The Bible says he came against them at Jabesh-Gilead. Now, again, no insignificant part of Scripture. Jabesh Gilead are two Hebrew words that put together, Jabesh Gilead, mean dry testimony. So the enemy attacks at the place of dry testimony. Now, let me say this that I've heard people say sometimes, like, I'm just going through a dry period or a wilderness period. Actually, that's nowhere in your Bible that you're supposed to go through these like periods of wilderness time and dryness. That's not in there. Now, they try to make allegorize it like, well, the people of Israel are in the wilderness. That's because that's wilderness over there. Nothing but dirt and sand. Anybody who served and went over to Iraq, could, I mean, that's, just, that's sand. Nothing but sand. And um, that's the area. But this whole time, you, you'll see people do that. Uh, you know, I'm just going through a dry period. Well, get out of that dry period because that's dangerous. The Bible says this, that the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The rebellious, you could write that down, rebellious dry land, and with Google you'll find where it's at. The rebellious dwell in a dry land. Another thing that's interesting, Jesus said that when a demon comes out of a person, where do they go? They go searching and they wander and roam the dry places. So what do you got in the dry places? You got serpents, scorpions, you got death, you got danger, you got no water. How many know you're going to live so long without water? So the enemy comes down, not when you're strong. He might try when you're strong, but like, for instance, Jesus was in the wilderness, okay, and he's he, basically he's spending time getting his plan from the Father, time of just getting along with the Father, and Satan came to him, thought he would, that if that was at his weakest, didn't take much. But Satan came against Jesus with three temptations and he, he was dispelled with three scripture verses. That's it. It is written, it is written, it is written. How many think it's important for us to know what is written? That's part of the armor of God. The Bible says take up the spirit that the or, or the sword that the spirit uses which is the word of God. And that comes out of our mouth. It's that rhema word that comes out of our mouth. When Jesus returns on a white horse, where is the sword coming? Where is the sword? It's coming out of his mouth. Isn't that interesting? He slays them with the sword. That's how we use the sword of the Spirit. We put the Word of God into our heart. In the time of need, the Holy Spirit brings that to our remembrance, and we speak that out. It is written. It is written. It is written. Three times... He was gone. But when we get in a place where in a, a, a dry testimony, basically that means, how many know the Holy Spirit is referred to, one, one of the symbols that's used is a river. River, rain, oil, right? Y'all with me still? If you, if you don't amen me, we're going to be here till 2. Because I don't know if you're getting this or not. Because I, I have the ability to keep slugging, slugging, slugging until you get it. Thank you. (laughs) Andrew's like, Andrew's like, holy smoke, I'm hungry. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so where the river is, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, there's refreshing. I mean, how many would rather be in Death Valley for a week or by a nice mountain stream? Death Valley, in a week you're dead, right? There's no water. Okay, you get in a place, a nice mountain stream, whenever you want water, you drink it. Maybe even the Lord has sent some ravens to feed you. I don't know. If not, there's always chicken to the trees if you've got a BB gun. Pop them squirrels, fry them up. Right? Country boy can't survive. <laughs> that great theologian, Hank Williams Jr., country boy can't survive. But you don't want to be in a dry place where there's no water. Now, for... A believer to be dry, I don't know what the right word for this is. What do you call it when it's the opposite? My my English tutor's down here. No, no. It's an anomaly. Let me just say it's an anomaly. Yeah, it's an anomaly, antonym, anomaly, whatever. Whatever it is, it's, it's not normal. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not normal. Christians should be in the Holy Spirit very oily Because the Holy Spirit is his oil. You know if you're very oily, you're not going to burn the engine up Because pistons are banging against each other and the friction you burn each other that's the problem in some churches. everybody's nitpicking Biting on everybody but the real reason is there ain't no oil there, there ain't no Holy Ghost there And everybody's running trying to run a dry engine Now Jesus said in John 7, 37 through 39, he says, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me, and as the Scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water, which will be a blessing to those around you, is what the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's not just to speak in tongues. That's an important part. It's a vital part. But it, but it doesn't do you any good if you just spoke in tongues once. I ain't spoken in tongues since. That's a powerful, powerful weapon God's given us. I don't have to... Man, there's so much stuff to to really talk about. But let's just deal with that issue of the river. The river flows. If the river doesn't flow, there's dryness. And if there's dryness, the serpent ain't far behind. And what he does, he comes to us in uh, the dry place, this dry testimony, and here's the tactics that he uses. It says that... Nahash besieged them. So we're on the, there you go. Now, besieged is an old way of doing warfare, but it does two things. In the old days, a city would set itself behind walls. Amen? And the walls were there to protect it. However, if an enemy came, they weren't going to try to break those walls down, unless you're God. God breaks walls down. Jericho, he said, I don't have time for a big besiege time. Let's blow the trumpets down come the wall, seven days. But in the natural and old way of doing warfare, they would, in, they would besiege it or they would encamp, uh, encamp about it. And what it meant is it would cut off their communication to the outside world, and it would cut off their food and water. Whatever they had in there, once it ran out, they were done. Makes Make sense? So they couldn't get any food or water from an outside source because the enemy had them surrounded. And they couldn't get communication out for any of their allies to come help them because you couldn't get a runner out, couldn't get a messenger out. This is what the enemy does in our own life. Cuts off our communication. How does he do that? He begins to, we. this is what he's after, to begin to stop our prayer life with God. You should have daily prayer. I don't mean you prayed a prayer. You should have a special, if you've been a Christian for a while, you need to have a time. Jesus said to his disciples, could you not tarry with me for one hour? So that must be like the minimum. I'm just saying what Jesus said. If you think that's a long time, we'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then you, you'll have that spiritual language to also use in that time. But you have to communicate with the Father. And the communication is not just a one-way thing. You have to sit and wait on the Lord and let him speak to you. And also tries to cut off your food and water. Uh, The water, like I said, is the type of the Holy Spirit. And the food is this. What did Jesus say? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Now you need to really do, all of us need to do an inventory on how much time we're spending in this and how much time we're spending in prayer, because the days are evil. So if the days, how many would agree to say that the days are getting more intensely evil? Would most people agree with me in here on that? So if that's the case, we need to ramp up our being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Would you agree? So this is the time to not allow the enemy to cut off your communication with God. Or to cut off your time in the Word and time in the Spirit. And the only way he can do that is get us distracted. We have to carve out a time and be diligent that this is my time with God. Turn the phone off, put the phone in the other room, put the phone on, vibrate, whatever you got to do. Because this phone is a major distraction to people today. It is. So we have to carve out time and be diligent on it because what happens is you, you're you only going to run so long on a Sunday morning ser- service. If that's what you've got, that's your thing, you come and you hear a little bit of the Word on a Sunday morning and then you're trying to run all week on that, that that's not going to do well for you. Daily time in prayer, daily time in the Word. Now what's interesting is The treaty, they said this. They said they're willing to make a compromise with the devil, with the serpent. They're like, look, leave us alone, and we'll leave you alone. A lot of Christians kind of think that, I think, in their, in their mind. I'm not going to mess with him, and he'll leave me alone. No. He is hell-bent on bringing destruction to those whom God loves. So you have to be like our opening verse. You've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, putting on that full armor of God that you might be able to stand in the evil day. In other words, we have to do preparatory work for what's happening ahead of us. The Bible says, as you see the days approaching to the Lord's return, don't attend the house of God less. He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, like is the manner of some, But all the more so as you see the day approaching. I see a lot of churches that are, since I was a kid, growing up in church, are really trying to streamline this thing down to like a, basically a 30-minute, 40-minute service once a week. You have these multi-million dollar buildings that they're using basically for 90 minutes on one day a week. I don't get that. How is that going to work? When I was a kid, some of you can remember this too, there was Sunday morning, there was Sunday night, there was Wednesday night. Then you would have revivals sometimes, and you had prayer meetings. I mean, this was our life. Now, there was a lot of power that was flowing back in those days too in the church. People would see people get healed, see people baptized in the Holy Spirit, see people get saved. Now, it's not unusual for churches to go six months without nobody getting saved in the church, nobody getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptism tanks full of cobwebs and spiders. Why is that? Did God change? No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And these people were making, willing to make a deal with the serpent. Okay, and they would, they would serve him. Basically say, look, you know, we don't want to fight. We don't have the fight in us anymore. Okay, so make a deal with us. And the enemy was so brutal, he said, on one condition, on one condition, I will make a treaty with you if I thrust out all your right eyes. Now, some could say, okay, on this hand we have death, and death of our children, death of everything else. And on this hand, all we do is lose a right eye. Maybe I can live with that. Well, what we don't understand in reading this passage is, the right eye was so, there's a reason why he said the right eye. You know, the Bible makes a distinction about one of the judges. You know, Ehud, it says he was a left-handed man. The reason why it says that, it's not like he was the only left-handed man in Israel. It, it was unusual for a left-handed man to be a soldier or to be a deliverer for this reason. The battle tactics back then were such that the shield was held in the left hand, the sword in the right. And the shield was just angled that every part of the body was covered except the right eye so they could see over it. So what he said is, I'll make it I'll make a covenant with you, but I'm going to take away your ability to ever fight again. And these guys were considering it. They said, give us seven days, and if no one comes to save us, we'll do it. Now, let me bring this thing to a close here, because this is what I mean by the devil has no new tactics. I'm going to bring it right down to where we live. We saw this happen... In twenty twenty, even though it's called COVID nineteen, it really busted out all the news hype in twenty twenty. Now that was a weapon now everything's coming out. You couldn't say this stuff in twenty twenty because they cut you off of your YouTube and whatever else and whatever. Now it's it's coming out. All this stuff's true. Hunter Biden's laptop's true, all of it's true. Okay? These guys are like, you know, take one shot and then a booster. You take a second booster, and then you're, you're not, you're not going to spread to anybody except people with other boosters. Now, you get the third booster, and then you're going to go three miles, and then you're going to see somebody else that has a booster, and you, they're going to be affected. With, but with the fourth booster, uh, you might still get the virus, but it's going to be the best 10 minutes of your life. That's Fauci going for it. Where's Fauci now? He probably dangling at the end of a rope somewhere. I mean, this was a predicted plot. Okay, this, this was not a normal deal. It was a model. How many of you have been keeping up with it? It's very clear that you want, and, and I still hear people that trust the science. I'm like, show me some science. Okay, show me some science. Okay, because that was very clearly a, a, in case you don't know this, this World Economic Forum, this new whatever they're doing, they have a plan to reduce the world population down to like 500 million. You aware of that? Okay, so they're they're gonna do. You know, by the way, Bill Gates is. I mean, he's a he's wanted. They want to try him for war crime or as a war criminal in Africa because he's going over there. This guy who's not a doctor, giving these smallpox vaccines and everything, making the whole generation sterile. The, they were all infected with AIDS and just. It was, it's crazy stuff. So, this is my point. So, the serpent, let, let's look at this. Does he have any new tricks? Okay, so he comes down at a time of dry testimony. Okay, when this all happened, the church not, was not really in a revival in 2019. They really haven't been in revival since about before the Twin Towers came down. Brownsville, well, 2008, there was a breakthrough in some areas. But for sure, from 2012. 2020, I would say the church in America is at dry testimony. So what's the enemy do? He thinks this is a good time to surround the church. Comes down and what's he want to do? He wants to cut off the communication. He wants to cut off the word. Communication between God, communication with other believers. And I get it for those who you know, it, it's There it was a very difficult time because they were hyping it up so much. I remember there, there's a guy that we call. He, he's a good dude, but we call him Chicken Little because to him the sky's always falling. He's got. If I said his name a lot, some of you would know him. But he was predicting like, I mean, gazillion people's dying, you know. And and my wife and I, everybody was like, we're like, what the world. And you didn't really know that the, the news was propaganda quite yet. So you kind of believe in a little bit. And at first, I think when they said, you know, like, what, 15 days to stop the spread, I can understand where, where some ministry would be like, yeah, I understand that. Let's do it. But then as it went on, it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Something smells here. This don't seem right. Yes, some people die. I know a couple people that die, but people die every year from the flu. It was interesting, all the flu stats went out the window. There was no flu stats for that year. But what it did do, we saw that the church at dry testimony was willing to make a deal that backfired on all of us. Because we were like, well, we're going to stop the church, or we're going to stop meeting publicly. We're just going to go online. God, you know, the, the government's not telling us to, to stop meeting. We're just going to meet online. Well, you know, are you going to trust your ministry to YouTube if you say something like, what well, I'm saying right now, that you get strikes, and they're going to try to shut you down? Also, what happened is, is that many of the people that left, they're not, they haven't come back, and they're not coming back. Because we basically let them know that, eh, it's not that important to come to church. Now, what's strange about the whole thing is this. So he came down the exact same way. We want to cut off the word, cut off the communication, and do the death blow of putting out your right eye. And that's what happened is that most of the church in America right now You've got multi-million, you, you've, got, you've got church buildings that sat like 5,000 people that got about 40 in them now. And the reason I'm sharing this with you right now is not to like throw shade on people that shut down during that time. The reason I'm telling you this is it's about to happen again. That's what you need to know. That this whole thing is about to happen again. And what we need to realize, we need to right now begin to prepare ourselves to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might to believe the word of God no matter what. That we don't surrender. See, these guys are saying, we'll surrender to you. You know, make a deal with us. Let's make a deal with the devil. That's kind of what it is when you're doing what the World Health Organization is asking you to do. You're making a deal with the devil. Because how long do you think a church can really survive when you shut shut the doors? Like, how many realize that didn't work? Did it help or hurt the church? It hurt the church. Yeah, we took an apple out of the wrong bag on that one. So I'm telling you this as mark my words: this thing's going to come back around th- this next year, perhaps even this fall. Okay, and you need to be a people that says we're not going to shut. Down. We're not going to make a deal with the devil this time. Because what you what you realize, the people that didn't didn't shut down, everybody else that still wanted to go to church, they ended up at their church. That's true. There are some people they're not going to surrender no matter what, and they're looking for a, a minister or a preacher who's going to stand up like he believes this what he preaches talks cheap. You can say Jesus heals, you can say Jesus delivers. Okay, but it, but when when a when a trial comes, if you fold like a cheap suit, your words your words are just words. When the Lord told the three Hebrew children in Babylon, well, let me say this, he told the whole nation, don't bow down before any other god, don't bow down before any idol. Now they're in captivity, and these are Listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in Daniel, chapter three. They were this. All the people, all the people that were, all commanded not to bow down. Everybody bowed down, except three young guys standing straight as a ramrod. They weren't. They. They weren't going to. They weren't going to bow down. And King Nebuchadnezzar brought them and said, "You bow down now. I'm gonna give you a second chance. You bow down, or you'll burn." And he said, listen, our God's able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. We are not going to bow down. They said they're going to heat the fire seven times hotter. And they th- the, the people that threw them in were the ones that, that, that died. They said, we're not going to bow. Even if we burn, we're not going to bow. And when they were thrown in there, guess who showed up in the midst of them with it? Jesus was looking for somebody to stand. Jesus got right in the middle of that fire with them. When they, Now here's what's funny. Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't we throw three men? He said, yeah. He said, I see four. And one looks like the son of God. And then he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. If I was them, I'd have said, no. Come in here and get me. That's exactly what I did. Because I'm like that. I'm just kind of stir the pot. You threw me in here. Come get me. Tough guy. I'm in here chilling with Jesus. Feels like an air conditioned room. In the midst of this fiery furnace. We're getting ready to order from Uber Eats. Everything's good in here. Come get me. But like nice young men, they came out. But I've been like, come get me. No, I'm cool in here with Jesus. You know how powerful it would have been if the whole Nation of Israel had not bowed, bowed but three was enough and the Lord got in there with them whatever is coming in the, in the near future here listen it's time for the church in America to stand to stand I said, I'm not going to make a treaty with the with the devil go and go to that last slide here's the good news here's the one bright spot in this story they said, give us a few days let me open this back up. Give us a few days, we're gonna send out word, and if no one comes to deliver us
1: <laughs> This is funny.
0: If no one comes to deliver us, we'll come out to you, we'll let you poke out our eyeballs. That is that is the most bizarre story to me. But they were gonna do it. Just to live just to save their skin. Verse 6 says, When Saul heard these words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. And verse 9, They told the messengers who had come, Say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, By the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you will be rescued. God will always come through when you take a stand for him and based on his principles. You know what Esther said when they were saying that they built... Hangman gallows to to kill the Jewish people on and Mordecai said don't think you're going to escape this Because you know she become the queen He said don't think you're going to escape this because it'll be found out you're Jewish as well She said you need to go into the king and petition him she said okay I'm going to go in because if I die I die that was her mentality And we That's all I got to say we need to stand and make no treaty with the enemy we need to make sure that we're spending that time. Day, th- this is how important this is. Because the besieging that the enemy brings, it comes against us when the church is at a dry testament. I'm going to tell you what's really strange to me is this. That after COVID came and went, that the church, people aren't running the church thinking, man, we almost lost this whole thing. I'm not going to let that happen again. And people are just like lackadaisical. I like, think that's a one-off. They're, 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 no, they're, the enemy is bent on destruction. The enemy is bent on destruction. It's time for us to uh, wake up, like I was saying last week. Wake up. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. All right, let's let's pray. We're going to get ready to dismiss this. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the move of the Holy Spirit that we had this morning. Lord, I pray this word does shake us, that we realize, Lord, we are at the end of time, your return is at hand, and Lord, that we be diligent in seeking your face and becoming strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that we make no deals with the enemy, Lord, whatever comes, Lord, that we will not bow, Lord, that we said in our heart we're not going to bow. And Lord, help us and give us the strength. In Jesus' name. My heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I don't want to close this service without giving an invitation. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're here, you've not made the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You've not surrendered your life to him. Or maybe you've done that at one point point, you've walked away. Maybe you've compromised with the enemy. And you're in a position of, you're, you're just in trouble. You need out. You need Jesus to come and save you. That's you. slip up your hand real quick. I want to pray for you this morning.
1: God bless you. Man. Anybody else this morning? God bless you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord.
0: Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's stand this morning. Honey, I want you to come. Bob, I want you to come too. I want those of you that raised a hand, I want you to slip out of the eye. Come down here. We're going to pray for you this morning down here. We're going to believe God to, to get you through it. Amen. To fix you up. Anybody else that you, you should have raised a hand and you didn't, I want you to come now. Go and go, Bob, and honey, I want you to pray for her. Hallelujah. If you should have raised a hand, you should be down here and you're not, I want you to come right now in the name of Jesus. Don't let anything stop you. What, everything I'm telling you this morning is real. These things are coming down the pike. And if you've made a compromise with the enemy, okay, you got things going on in your life that should not be there. You, you've, you've compromised. You, you, you know, you've known the Lord, but you knew going that way was not the way to go, but you're in it now. Okay, and you need the Lord to set you free. I want you to come. We're going to pray and agree with you for the Lord to set you free and to put you back on that right path. Anybody else? So these people being ministered to. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you this morning for everything that you're doing in this place. Lord, we pray for your anointing to be on these people as they leave this service today. Lord, may they be blessed going in and coming out, Lord God. Set a hedge about them. And protect them. May they be in health. Lord God. Lord show us. The truths of your word. Lord God that will help us to be strong. To grab hold of. And to walk Lord and not surrender. Not to compromise in the days of heaven. We thank you we praise you in Jesus precious name. Amen. We're going to dismiss if you have to go. you can stay and just continue in this atmosphere if you like, but I'm done this morning. But God bless you. How many glad you came to church this morning? Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Pastor Eric will be back this next Sunday. Yeah.
1: I think Pastor Eric will be back. Okay. So, praise the
0: Lord. Love you guys. Jesus loves you.
1: Yeah. Your power world